Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, where we bring you investment strategies you are definitely not hearing elsewhere. Please contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com and you can go to our website to hear podcasts of any and all of our shows and interviews, strategicinvestorradio.com. Today's April 8, 2016. I'm Charlie Wright and we're very pleased to welcome with us in Chicago, talking us via telephone, Mark Malin. Mark is a consultant in Managed Futures, author of three books on Managed Futures, and a columnist and staff writer for ValueWalk.com. He's also been an adjunct instructor at Northwestern University, all on Managed Futures. Mark, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Thanks for inviting me to participate, Charlie. So, Mark, give us uh, briefly your background in managed futures and uh, what has caused you to uh, stay in this uh, relatively uh, lesser-known area of the investment world. Well, it's funny you say lesser-known because growing up in the Chicago area, uh, my friends in high school, their fathers were all traders on the derivatives exchange. So for me and my worldview derivatives was the financial universe, or at least the center of the financial universe to me. Um, it wasn't until I broadened my horizons later in life that I, that I realized that derivatives and managed futures were actually a very small part uh, of the overall financial universe. Um, but what I see happening now that particularly interests me is there's a growing need for non-correlated investments. And, you know, essentially establishing my worldview from the Chicago derivatives industry, to me, non-correlation uh, and performance that wasn't tied to the equity markets was always a goal. When we talked about alpha in the derivatives market, it wasn't so much about beating uh, the performance of uh, an S&P 500 or an equity benchmark. It was really about creating non-correlated performance. So from my worldview, when you said alpha, um, it, it meant uh, a hedge fund manager who could uh, deliver performance in the face of a stock market crisis or in the face of a recession. So um, I got out into the world, um, and uh, ultimately I have about 15 years' experience in the derivatives industry. Um, and I, I, I love it. It's, it's sort of my native industry. Um, I traded uh, along the yield curve. I traded a managed futures volatility strategy. Um, I've evaluated various managed futures managers, uh, run a small managed futures fund of funds, uh, and then worked as a consultant uh, to various organizations, including exchanges, hedge funds, uh, and did some work in brokerage as well. Um, like you said, I, I, I've written a couple books. One was on managed futures. The other was on the topic of intelligent computer systems. Uh, and then the third book that I co-edited uh, was uh, a book about the derivatives industry. Um, then when the MF Global bankruptcy occurred in 2011, my life kind of took a dramatic turn, um, and I got into journalism, uh, which 
I find fascinating. I've got to tell you, I, I never would realize that I would enjoy a job as much as I do, even though I miss uh, certain aspects of being deep on the inside of the derivatives industry. Uh, journalism has allowed me to sort of broaden my horizons uh, pretty significantly. Um, I, I first started to write for Opal Lusk, um, which is you know a hedge fund specialty publication, and now I write for Value Walk, uh, again covering hedge funds, uh, but, you know, I've really gotten to uh, start to learn about the strategies uh, that a lot of the major hedge funds uh, are operating uh, and, and expand my knowledge base beyond managed futures. And and you know, being a journalist, you get to see the inside. I know I've, I've spoken with a lot of the top managers and their, their firms, and um, it's just fascinating to get sort of that behind-the-scenes look at the alternative investment space. Great. Well, Mark, thank you very much for sharing that with us. Uh, for our viewer, for our listeners who may not be as familiar with managed futures as others, could you give us a, a, a 60 second definition of managed futures and what they do and what they are? Okay. Managed futures are essentially um, investment professionals who trade regulated derivatives contracts. What investors should really focus on is how non correlated the investment has been. It's not that it outperforms the stock market. As a matter of fact, if you look at the, the credible, academically uh, reliable indexes, managed futures has tended to underperform the average uh, performance of the S&P 500 by a couple percentage points. Um, but what really matters with managed futures is, is how it performs during crisis. 2008, for instance, uh, the managed futures indices were up anywhere from 12 to nearly 20 percent uh, when the uh, uh, S&P 500 was down, uh, you know, close to 30 percent. The Nasdaq was down close to 50 percent. Um, right now, as we speak, you know, the S&P 500 is up, you know, under 1 percent uh, as of today. And the managed futures indices, you know, I, I look at the Barclay Hedge B top 50. That's up, you know, 2.3 uh, percent approximately. So the the key point is it operates independently from the stock market. And you know, uh, that's more important than ever uh, these days after a uh, seven or eight year bull run. It reminds me of the saying that we have oft noted on this program that in a bear market, the only thing that goes up is correlation. And uh, <laughs> that certainly happens. So uh, tell us uh, if someone wants to do managed futures for the correlation, non-correlation uh, benefits and other benefits that can exist. Tell us, uh, how can one evaluate a managed futures manager? Well, this is sort of my sweet spot. Um, it's a, a topic I'm passionate about. I have a method, and there are numerous valid methods in the managed futures industry. What I like to do and what I find the easiest way for people to get their arms around the investment is to correlate a strategy with a market environment. What you'll find once you start evaluating managed futures is that there's typically a beta to a lot of the strategies. So I break the beta down into uh, three primary components, then with numerous secondary components. And so when I try and build a non-corollary uh, portfolio, the goal is to create strategy non-correlation um, within the alternative investment uh, portfolio. 
Then on an individual manager basis, there are probably about 38 primary points that I look at. Um, you know, I, I look at margin equity. I look at uh, average drawdown relative to worst drawdown. Um, I'm big into a lot of correlation analysis within the performance statistics of various CTAs. I mean, you're going to find that with an algorithmic manager, particularly if they have strong risk controls, there should be a degree of consistency in how the risk management is um, is executed. Yeah, all of that sounds great here, Mark, but how can one benefit from all this good work that you're doing? Is it in one of, uh, one of your books? Is it in your articles? Uh, how can one benefit from, uh, from these charts and things that you're talking about that very few people are going to be competent enough to create? Well, um, you're kind of teeing up my next uh, venture. Um, later this uh, month in April, we're going to be launching um, an algorithmic newsletter service where we evaluate different non-correlated investments. Um, we also look at the market environment and analyze the impact algorithms are having on the market environment. Um, I mean, particularly what interests me, when I look at the stock market, I like to keep an eye on where the algorithmic triggers may be. There's no exact method to determine where algorithmic triggers may be. Society General has a uh, trend index that uh, some people use as a proxy. There are about four other proprietary measures that I keep an eye on. Uh, but I think understanding how the algorithmic traders are impacting uh, prices on the stock market or prices in an individual stock. If an algorithmic system has gotten into an individual stock, that's typically something that an investor uh, would benefit from knowing. So the service that we're going to be launching is going to evaluate the different non-correlated investments, explain in understandable terms how they work, and then correlate it to a market environment. And the reason I always like to correlate a strategy to a market environment is that's how you can model performance going forward. I think it's very important with these managed futures systems and other non-correlated investments, because it's not just managed futures, to be able to have an expectation of when positive performance might be uh, anticipated as well as the market environments when negative performance might be anticipated. Yeah, no question about it. You know, I was reading John Malden yesterday, and uh, John said there are five killer Ds active in the investment world today. He said there's demographics, there's deficits, there's debt, there's deleveraging, and there's deflation. And uh, none of those uh, portend for good things moving forward in the U.S. stock market. And so when we're talking about such things as wheat and coffee and currencies and other countries' markets and, um, and all commodities, uh, you know, precious metals, etc., we're talking about things that may not be and probably are not as subject to the difficulties that these five killer Ds are going to be creating. And so it's an opportunity to get out of the normal investment world of stocks, bonds, and cash, mutual funds, and ETFs, and uh, get into something that really is very, very different. And that's what Managed Futures does, correct? Uh, that's absolutely correct. 
So, uh, Mark, we need to stop and take a quick break here. Uh, we're talking with Mark Malin, consultant on managed futures and staff writer for valuewalk.com. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about uh, how can one combine different managed futures managers in order to have even greater non-correlated, diversified investments for, than to have just a single managed futures uh, contractor here, uh, investor. And so, uh, Mark, we'll be right back. According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. So how do we protect our principal from these declines without missing the gains when prices rise? At Strategic Investor Radio, we interview asset managers with unique strategies designed to both protect and grow your investments. Investing is not rocket science. It's rocket fuel if you know how to harness it. For podcasts of our interviews, please visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. And now back to Charlie and his guest. Thank you, Paul. Again, we're talking with Mark Malin, consultant on managed futures and staff writer for valuewalk.com. So, Mark, let's say that uh, as an advisor or as an investor, someone looks at various programs and they find one that they really like, but they want to put, uh, let's say, 15 to 20% of their investments into managed futures and they do not want to do that with a single manager. So how would they look to diversify among different managers? How would they look to balance different managers and different kinds of, of, of investment approaches among managed futures managers? That's a great question, Charlie, uh, and it speaks to the core of diversification. There are different strategies to do this. You're going to find, if you start looking around the managed futures industry, a lot of people have the belief that uh, – trend-following or momentum-based systems are the only game in town. And while I believe that uh, momentum-based systems are important, I also like to look at volatility-based systems uh, and then relative value-based systems. And I do that because those correlate to each other very nicely. Um, so if you start to, uh, you know, my ideal portfolio might have five to eight different types of managers. Uh, so in a typical portfolio, I might look at um, strategies that are correlated to the market environment of price persistence. Uh, then within that strategy grouping, I would take uh, a look at the investment time frame, uh, the markets traded, uh, and then the strategy subsets. For instance, I'd look at um, strategies that are involved in mean reversion. Um, it's like a good dinner, you know, five-course meal. You want everything paired just right to give different experiences but to blend smoothly. Um, so I'd be looking at my strategies and I'd put different strategies, different time horizons, different markets traded uh, involved. And a lot of times when people look for correlation, they use a, a traditional correlation matrix. But, you know, you mentioned at the top of the show during crisis uh, things tend to correlate to one. So when I develop a, a bespoke portfolio uh, that has correlation as a key factor, I look at a correlation matrix, but to me, correlation during crisis, which can be identified, is equally as important. 
You know, Mark, uh, you mentioned 2008 was a very strong year uh, before managed futures. While it was a horrible, terrible year, uh, one of the worst ever, really, uh, for the U.S. stock market. But the year 2011 was a very bad year for, uh, or at the best, a mediocre year for uh, managed futures. And 2013 was a real struggle for many in the managed futures arena. Uh, what kind of markets are helpful and productive for managed futures? And what kind of markets are market conditions, not markets, but market conditions are productive? And what kind of market conditions are unproductive for managed futures? That's another good question. Um, when you look at an, a managed futures index, you're going to have to understand that the majority of uh, fund managers reporting are what, what are known as trend followers. Trend followers, the market environment uh, in which they benefit, uh, is based on price persistence. Now, the predominance of managed futures managers are in the mid-tier time horizon. Now, having said that, it's always interesting to put a couple of short-term time horizon uh, players into a portfolio, along with an occasional uh, long-term player. And by long-term, sometimes these, uh, these different uh, programs might hold a position for as long as a year, and the market goes up and down. John Henry, um, you know, one of the, one of the original um, managed futures players, was famous for just holding on to a position, uh, you know, for a considerable amount of time. Uh, so, the, the price persistence is the, the primary market environment in which many of the strategies benefit. You know, if you look at 2008, what happened was first volatility hit, and that's a market environment in and of itself, uh, and certain strategies benefit from that. Then volatility led to price persistence that occurred over a long period of time. It has to be price persistence that the manager's strategy can catch. Now, another environment that I look at is uh, convergence and divergence from a mean, which speaks to a relative value strategy. Relative value strategies typically have multiple components. It's not just a bet that the market is going to go up or down. It's a bet that one market might go in one way, another market might go another way, and you're betting on the relationship between the price of multiple markets. Uh, and you'll find that for that strategy, there's a market environment when prices diverge from their mean uh, and then converge back to that mean. You know, it's interesting. You're talking about the need for trends here in order for uh, managed futures to do well. And yet we've had a downtrend, significant downtrend in uh, the precious metals marketplace and certainly in commodities marketplace. OK, uh, and yet they, it doesn't appear that uh, managed futures funds have caught them all that well, even though managed futures funds can always be short. OK, so what have they missed over the past few years that caused them to not have great returns when the trend has been so, so far down? It's an interesting point you're bringing up, particularly when you start to talk about commodities. Um, some of the larger managed futures players, uh, yeah, you know, this gets into also a, a consideration when you're allocating capital. But some of the larger managed futures players have difficulty entering some of the smaller commodity markets and having it move the needle uh, 
on returns as it would in a financial market. You know, the S&P 500, for instance, or treasuries or certain currencies that are highly traded. Um, once a strategy starts to get over, you know, I've, I've seen different studies on this, but, you know, some people have tagged it at $5 billion. I've, I've seen studies, $10 billion under management. It really becomes hard for them to be nimble enough to harvest returns out of the niche markets. Now, I'm not saying that that's entirely the cause. A lot of the algorithms, uh, it's all based on how and when they trigger. Some algorithms are based on moving averages. So that's essentially how the industry got its start. Its root is in uh, moving average crosses. Uh, but then since then, the algorithms have developed uh, significant uh, sophistication. So, for instance, a moving average cross is a single-factor algorithm that determines when to enter and exit a market. Uh, but some of the algorithms now are based on multiple factors. Uh, some of the factors that are involved in the new algorithms include uh, volatility uh, parameters. Uh, some of them include correlated market parameters. Uh, so they can get a little sophisticated. Sometimes they'll catch a market. Sometimes they won't catch a market. Well, that, that's very interesting. So tell us here, uh, Mark, in your world uh, of journalists and in the managed futures world, what keeps you awake at night? Well, it's funny you mentioned um, John Malden. I have so much respect for him. He actually got his start uh, in the derivatives industry, and uh, you know his his work is uh, you know highly followed and, and respected among risk managers. Um, and my concerns, to a degree, are very similar to his concerns. Uh, there has been talk inside the alternative investment community for quite some time about sovereign debt. And so I, I keep an eye on the sovereign debt issue very closely. I, I read, write about it extensively. I report about it. And, and I'm noticing that it's increasingly becoming to the forefront. What happened in Greece last summer, there was a derivatives issue underneath that Greek crisis that generally wasn't reported. Sovereign debt and the derivatives that surround sovereign debt are pretty much what keeps me up at night. Um, and if you look at the 2008 crisis, um, it wasn't so much the subprime loans that were really the cause of losses at the banks. It was a derivative exposure. And you, and you can measure that by, you know, there, there's documented numbers on how much loan exposure they had relative to how much derivative exposure they had. And the derivative exposure really exacerbated uh, the 2008 losses. Now, what's happened since 2008? Uh, the uh, notional value of the derivative contracts has grown exponentially. It's primarily correlated to sovereign debt. Um, so, you know, what keeps me up at night is the linkage between the unregulated derivatives and the sovereign debt. Now, having said that, I have seen significant moves take place over the past several years Many of them haven't been um, accented uh, in the mainstream very much, but I've seen some pretty significant moves take place to address this. And, and, and this has been a trend, this, this derivatives, unregulated derivatives trend started in the late 1990s, uh, and it's been pretty much gone unchallenged until recently. So I think there's positive developments uh, on the horizon. I think there's, there have been positive developments. I mean, I see this 
to us an extent it's it's comforting to actually see the system work you know knowing that there's so much money in politics and there's so much influence uh that people are attempting to to buy you know when i look at certain things that have happened in the system over the last couple of years uh it's it's really comforting uh and and, and provides me with faith in our system of government that uh, some very difficult issues can be addressed. So derivatives, the sovereign debt, and then for investors, I think what you want to be concerned about is a flash crash. There are hedging methodologies. There are, you know, you can you can develop a non-correlated portfolio with managed futures, um, and it can defend you against something similar to 2008. Uh, what is very difficult, if almost impossible, to defend against is the flash crash. Um, I've had conversations with regulators along these lines. I think, you know, by and large, it's what's undefensible to a non-correlated portfolio is a flash crash that 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 a program can't pick up and hedge against you know uh, mark let's move on but we before we all get too depressed here okay <laughs> but what what you're saying i'm sure has has great validity and let's keep our fingers crossed that uh prevailing uh prevailing opinion uh is is helpful here uh, the second question we always like to ask is uh tell us about your books let's move on to something positive you've got uh Three books that you've uh, either edited or authored. Briefly tell us about those and, and you know, who, who the audience would be for each one. Okay, well, I'll start out with the Managed Futures book, High Performance Managed Futures. It was published in 2010, um, and it essentially outlined uh, some of the core concepts in Managed Futures. I think some of the um, concepts that added to the academic debate is I did some studies on how you can take um, a volatile investment, combine it with non-correlated volatile investments, uh, and then uh, actually reduce volatility. That concept um, can be applied to various degrees when creating a non-correlated portfolio. Um, I also sort of took issue with the sharp ratio. In managed futures, uh, upside volatility uh, is, is pretty much left alone and uncontrolled, where downside volatility, negative returns, uh, is typically where you want to focus when you evaluate your managers. You want to see them control their downside volatility, um, but the upside volatility doesn't matter. Sharp ratio doesn't differentiate in its formula uh, between upside and downside volatility, and I think ultimately that leads to inaccurate analysis of the true risk in, a, in an investment. So those were just a couple of the key points. I, I've written three books, then I, I wrote a chapter for a portfolio management book where I started to put my theories on beta market environments and how to integrate different portfolios uh, together and different managed futures programs and different non-correlated investments. Um, and I'm about to sort of combine the knowledge of the three books I was directly involved writing, the course I taught at Northwestern University, um, and then also uh, the chapter I wrote in that portfolio management book. It's all going to be a part of this newsletter uh, service that we're going to have coming out, uh, and there's going to be an educational component so people can come and get uh, seminars. They can get the education from all the all the books and all the the writing I've done. Okay, so give us a, a website, will you, here, Mark, uh, for people who would like to know more. Well, you can go to noncorrelatedinvesting.com. 
the service hasn't launched, but you can sign up for a subscription. There's there's initially no charge, um, and you know you'll get you'll get to have an announcement when the service is available, and then you'll be given uh, you know a certain trial period where uh, you'll you'll get uh, the information without charge. Okay, uh, very good. Thank you. So, final words for our listeners here, Mark. Well, I don't find non-correlation uh, depressing. I, I know some people do, and, and like I take a risk management view of the world. So when I look at derivatives and I look at flash crash and I talk about what might seem like depressing issues, to me, talking about the issues, getting them in the public domain typically helps solve the problem. When volatility strikes a market and it's negative, what has happened is a surprise has hit the market. So I have found over time when you can uh, cushion markets to certain events, it mitigates volatility to various degrees. So I try not to be depressing, but really what I'm, you know, the, the goal is to assist in risk management. That's what I'm what I'm all about. Uh, it's not so much, you know, the service that I'm launching and, and my writing is not so much about beating the market or trying to generate significant returns or oversized returns. It's really more about risk management and trying to develop an investment portfolio that can operate smoothly during positive and negative market environments. That's what it's all about. So, Mark, thank you very much. That's certainly a worthy goal. And as we uh, know, markets uh, do not go up forever. And that's certainly going to be the case with the U.S. stock market. And uh, we can't identify exactly when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen or how fast it's going to happen. But it's going to have some struggling times over the coming years. And like you say, to have uh, those non-correlated assets are going to be very, very important for people. So for investors. So, Mark, thank you very much for joining us today. And again, we've been talking with Mark Malin, consultant on managed futures and staff writer for Value walk.com you've been listening to strategic investor radio on octalkradio.net and we wish you all an enjoyable week and productive investing you've been listening to the strategic investor your source for compelling investment strategies from some of the most productive asset managers in the industry for unique investment strategies visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com Investing is not rocket science.